The hierarchy of reviews has changed on the channel as I talk about Black Adam in spoilerific detail right now. Hello everybody and welcome to my spoiler review of Black Adam. I wasn't actually sure if I was going to do one, but there's been so much discussion about this movie pro and con. Even with the reviews and everything else, I decided to go a little bit deeper into what I thought of the movie and why I ultimately came out with a positive review for the film. As I noted before, this is a spoiler review, so I will be revealing key plot details about Black Adam. If you haven't seen the movie or you don't want to know what happens in it, then you should either tune out now or preferably go watch my non-spoiler review and then go see the movie and then come back and uh, see the spoiler review. Just make a day of it. One thing I want to get into right away with this is the reviews on the movie, which I didn't think were going to be great. There were already a lot of negative reviews that had come out by the time I saw the film, but it's gotten even more negative since I posted my review on Rotten Tomatoes. One thing that's interesting to note, though, is that a lot of the reviews are mixed, but they seem to be breaking more negative than positive. And this is why I say that the binary nature of Rotten Tomatoes often makes it kind of hard to see just exactly where critics do fall on the spectrum for a movie. For example, when you look at the average rating, which I've long said is what should be on the Rotten Tomatoes site instead of just the binary fresh rotten score, the average critics rating for Black Adam as I'm recording this video is a 5.1 and the tomato meter score is 42%, meaning that only 42% of the reviews for the film are positive. But when you look at a similarly reviewed film, Hocus Pocus 2, it has an average rating of 5.7, so basically a half point difference in the average critics rating, but its tomato meter score is 21% higher. It's 63% fresh. And what this tells me is that there were a lot of critics who were very mixed on these movies, almost right down the middle, but a lot of them broke negative on Black Adam and broke positive on Hocus Pocus 2. And really, I'm not incredibly shocked because I didn't expect this movie to get a whole lot of the benefit of the doubt if somebody is kind of wavering in the middle. It reminds me a lot of Venom. It got very bad reviews, and it was another movie that I gave a positive review for. In fact, people still throw my positive reviews of the Venom films back in my face to say that I have no credibility. What can I say? It is an incredibly flawed movie, the first Venom film, much like I think that Black Adam is an incredibly flawed movie, but both of those films had positive qualities that I thought, in my mind and in my opinion, overwhelmed the negative qualities. So let's talk about that. What worked for me in the movie? What didn't work for me in the movie? And why I ended up giving it a positive review. And honestly, when the movie started, I thought we were in big trouble because it did one of those things that is always a red flag for me, which is a solid 10 minutes of opening narration and exposition. I can count on one hand the number of times this has actually worked for a movie. Lord of the Rings would be one of them. The little prologue to Lord of the Rings actually works really well, the difference being that it's really more about here's the history of this world, whereas Black Adam goes through so much character stuff in this first 10 minutes that honestly should have been the first 20 to 25 minutes of the movie. It shouldn't have been a montage, and I think that that's probably one of the movie's biggest flaws is they jammed so much into this movie. Quite honestly, the Justice Society, by all rights, shouldn't have been in this movie at all. This should have just been the story of Black Adam. But I'm glad the Justice Society was in this movie because I thought that they were the best part of the film. The other thing that it overcomes and that I started rolling my eyes at when I figured out that this is what we're doing is yet another plot of, as I like to call it, we have to go get the thing that does the thing. Here, it's the crown that imbues ultimate unlimited power onto whoever uses it. It doesn't really matter. It could have been anything. And again, when we started the movie and it was all 
all about finding this evil artifact. I was like, oh man, here we go. Like, I, I really got off on a bad foot with this movie. It did not endear itself to me, and I really kind of started putting my guard up. But the thing that I do when I watch a film is I'm kind of aware of my feelings as I'm watching it, but I try not to start making final judgments until we get further on into the film. So even though the first 20, 25 minutes of this movie, I was kind of like, ugh, here we go. I still kept an open mind because I was like, well, it could still have something in store that surprises me, and it turns out that it did. The movie really came alive for me when the Justice Society showed up as we're introducing Black Adam, and when we get into the idea of heroes and how they're viewed around the world. And Adriana's whole point about Kondok, when she's speaking to the Justice Society, I think she's talking to Hawkman, when she says, oh, oh, okay, I see. So you're here now to rescue us, even though Intergang has been in here for a couple decades, completely, you know, plundering everything. Now we have somebody who shows up as our protector, and you decide that you have to get rid of them and stand up for justice. Yet where has your justice been in the last couple decades? That's a really good question. That's a compelling question, and it does a lot of the work for us to see how the Justice Society and Black Adam can be at odds in this movie in a way that makes sense, in a way that you understand the conflict between the two of them. It's not one of these manufactured things where it's like, oh, it's a misunderstanding and our heroes have to fight each other. This is literally just a difference of ideology. And by the way, the Justice Society isn't 100% right. And I've got to be straight with you, I did not expect a movie as dumb as this movie often is to deal with serious issues in what I think is a pretty effective way, things like the complicated politics of interventionism and who defines which countries need to be protected from what threats. I feel like a lot of people are writing this entire movie off as just a big, dumb, stupid comic book movie and not looking at some of the more complicated concepts that are being brought up in this thing. It also has big, dumb, stupid comic book stuff in it, but it's got some pretty good stuff too. I liked Adriana in general as a character. I think that she worked well with the story. She worked well with the different heroes involved. She wasn't just there to yell help and get rescued by all the different heroes. She served a purpose. The rest of her family, I'm not so sure about. Her brother was fine. The comic relief was okay, but it wasn't a make or break thing for me with the movie. Her son didn't really work for me. I don't know why they devoted so much time to him in this movie. I don't know why he rode his skateboard around inside that apartment building while he was talking to Black Adam, but then he'd have to get off the skateboard to go down the stairs and then get back on the skateboard. That didn't really add anything interesting visually to the dynamics of that scene. It just made him look like kind of a dum-dum. I also think that the performance when he is inspiring everyone to you know throw up the Diamond Dallas Page symbol uh, and start the revolution... I get, I guess, why he was the character to do that, because they're trying to draw some parallels between Black Adam's son and here's this kid. But that whole aspect, the idea of like the skeletons that came out of nowhere, none of that really worked for me. And I don't think the kid's performance when he's inspiring everybody to do that really worked. That was a part of the third act that for me was a complete failure just because it was underdeveloped. They didn't really do anything with that, and it just seemed like a little bit of extra unnecessary business. So that would go into the pile of things that absolutely Absolutely, we're not great about this movie. I thought the character of Black Adam himself was fairly interesting, although the whole reveal that he wasn't the first champion 
to me, wasn't that much of a re- reveal. Number one, because I'd seen the trailer for the movie. But number two, like the movie plays it as if we weren't supposed to know that the dad in the first scene was Dwayne Johnson. Like I know what the Rock's voice sounds like, and even when he when he's got the Captain America CGI bod going on, I also know what the Rock looks like in general. So I really don't think that that was handled very well. But I like this idea of somebody with godlike powers who is motivated by vengeance and revenge and not afraid to murder. And I think that. Dwayne Johnson played that role pretty well. Again, as I said in my non-spoiler review, I don't really think that he was just playing the same character that he plays in every other movie. I thought this was actually a pretty unique character for him, but also not very one note. I didn't mind the use of humor with Black Adam. The fact that he was trying to learn the catchphrase thing. I actually think that's a great way of not hammering a joke into the ground because you introduce the catchphrase thing early in the movie and then you have all of this stuff that happens and they never really reference it again and then you have the catchphrase come in at the very end of the movie. That could have been a really cheesy moment for a lot of people. I guess it may have been a very cheesy moment, but for me, that was a great idea of planting a humorous idea early in the film and then having a payoff later on. And I saw this in a packed theater. There were some critics there, but it was mostly people from the general public that were there for a preview screening, and that got cheers and applause. This movie actually worked really well uh, in the audience that I was sitting in to see the film. Yes, they're going to be a little more excited because if you're going to a preview screening of Black Adam, then you're probably a fan of Black Adam and the DC Universe in general. Uh, But at the same time, I've seen audiences that are full of big super fans of franchises where if the movie's not good, they're just as quiet as any other audience. So that's why I'm not really that surprised to see the audience scores for this movie as high as they are, even though it did get a B-plus cinema score, which doesn't really reflect a hugely enthusiastic audience response. I still think for a general audience, this movie seems to mostly be working. Now, from what I've read, there are a lot of people who are fans of the character from way back in the comics, it goes back decades, who are not happy that he was turned from a villain into an anti-hero and really almost a hero, although I think they did the anti-hero thing pretty well. All I can say is that from my perspective, I don't have a long-lasting relationship with this character. I've known of his existence, but I wasn't really familiar that much with him. And so cinematically, I think that they established this character pretty well. I could still see him being used as an antagonist. I think that he was used to fight against the Justice Society here in a pretty believable way. So sure, I could definitely see him fighting Shazam. I could definitely see him squaring off with Superman. We'll talk about Henry Cavill in just a few minutes. Superman and Batman came to blows. I promise you they can figure out a way for Superman and Black Adam to fight each other. And I don't necessarily think that it should be a friendly relationship between those two characters. So let's talk about the JSA, the Justice Society. Society. They were really the highlight of the film for me. I loved Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, even though this was a new character who they hadn't set up, which I think was a big flaw of this film. And, and I wish that DC kind of had a time machine so that you could have established the Justice Society in a previous movie. Despite that, the reason that you get good actors to play these roles is that they can bring that subtext to the character that may not be written on the page, but that lets you know who that character is. And that's the feeling that I got with Hawkman. I understood who he was, why he felt the way he did, what his motivations were. Actors can fill in a lot of gaps in a weak script, and there were plenty of gaps in this script. I thought that Aldous Hodge played that character really well. And then Pierce Brosnan, who I think sometime around the world's end made that pivot to being like an elder statesman, which is kind of weird for me. I loved 
Dr. Fate. I loved Brosnan's performance. I loved Dr. Fate's powers. That scene where Brosnan is sitting in the living room while everybody is kind of debating and arguing and just watching it all unfold and kind of going like, oh, yeah, mm, uh uh-huh. Pierce Brosnan brought so much to that role. Again, I think more than was even on the page. Just his majesty and the the weight that he gave that character. That was such perfect casting, and I'm so bummed that they killed him off. And this is why I say, if they do a Justice Society movie, I would be perfectly fine if they went back in time and did a prequel so that we can see Hawkman and Dr. Fate again because I don't want this to be the character's only appearance in the DC Cinematic Universe. I want to see more of Dr. Fate because I loved him in this movie. Adam Smasher was kind of stupid, which I loved. That beat where he knocks Hawkman out of the sky and the relationship between Noah Centineo and Aldous Hodge, that you and me type thing. Again, some people... Probably thought that that was corny. I actually liked the relationship between those two actors and those two characters, and again, would like to see more of that. Also, I think that brands love it when you have a character in a movie who has to eat all the time because of his superpowers, as Noah Centineo does. And I noticed that he was at one point eating baked Lay's, which if you watch my reviews on the channel, I have pointed out have been a favorite in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for quite some time now. They showed up in Thor Love and Thunder, they showed up on WandaVision, and now they have jumped over to the DC Universe as well. Baked Lays is very close to becoming the official snack of superheroes, no matter where they come from. Cyclone, unfortunately, was not really much of a part of this film. I liked Quintessa Swindell, and I hope that she gets to do more in future movies. The look of the character was great. It's just that she didn't really have much of a function in this movie. Speaking of not having a function, there was one tie-in to the universe that I'm also not quite sure. I understand its function in the story as written, but I just don't know if it was necessary to get the point across. And that was the connection to Viola Davis's Amanda Waller. I get the idea that Amanda Waller is going to want to neutralize Black Adam because that's kind of her thing. We're going to neutralize super threats. But also, like, how many different people is she working with? Because she's got Task Force X, then she's got Peacemaker's whole team and everything that they're doing and now the justice society plus it's hard for me to believe that the justice society would even be working with somebody as let's be honest disreputable as amanda waller i mean her tactics aren't exactly the best i think that maybe they tied amanda waller into the justice society to justify why they were being brought into the story but at the same time i think you could have done just a little bit more Uh, establishment of who they are and not had to have that tie-in because as we're going into the third act this whole beat where black adam gives up his powers and he goes to the facility and he's put in prison and then dr fate is to convince him to come out of prison and go back to the fight i just don't really know if it was worth the journey i don't know if it was worth the trip there i think you could have had black adam learn the same lessons that he learned without having to go through this whole rigmarole at the end of the movie only for him to come right back to the end fight and that third act of the movie is i think easily the weakest part of the film the second act of the movie is easily the best part of the film ishmael slash sabak are maybe the most generic and forgettable of the DC villains so far and that's really saying something literally it's just the devil that's it it's our heroes are fighting the devil the villain was so underdeveloped you don't really know anything about him he really doesn't do anything memorable it's literally just insert computer character x for our heroes to fight 
And I'm glad that they didn't make it an even bigger third act. That fight was fairly self-contained and, and over pretty quickly. Maybe somebody involved in the production understood that this was the weakest part of the film and said, you know what? We're going to cut down act three and we're going to beef up act two because that's where the real interest is. And if somebody did figure that out, then they've got really good instincts. And why, oh why, did they have him throw up a sky beam? Is nobody paying attention anymore? Does nobody know that that was a superhero trope like 10 years ago? We talked about stuff like this on Honest Trailers years ago. So please, somebody, if I'm reaching anybody in the halls of power at Marvel or DC, You've got to get it into someone's head. I don't know if it's an executive who's telling people to do this. No more sky beams. I said in my non-spoiler review about people with electric powers and that they should be banned, and people brought up all of the heroes that are still to come that have electric powers, including the Flash. So I don't think that my ban on electric powers is going to work. So let's shift it over to sky beams, because I don't think anybody could disagree with me here. No more sky beams. Honestly, I think this whole movie could have been a loss if they didn't make the Black Adam character so complicated, if they didn't go into some of the complicated politics around superheroes, and if the Justice Society wasn't so cool. I think that the heroes were realized very well. The movie was cast very well with actors who could add extra dimension to those characters. I think in lesser hands, acting-wise, this could have come off very flat, very generic, and some parts of it did, but as I said in my non-spoiler review, the positives for me were enough to outweigh the negatives, even though the negatives were plentiful. Of course, we have to talk a little bit about Henry Cavill returning as Superman, which was the least kept secret in the world, partially due to Dwayne Johnson's promotion for this film, partially due, however, to some of my colleagues in the movie criticism space. And I've got to be honest, if we don't stop spoiling as film critics and journalists, these big surprises for all these different movies, everybody gets punished. And I don't think that's what we want to do. First of all, it's very beneficial for critics like myself to be able to see these movies early so we can get our reviews out because there is an intense public interest in that. But also it ruins the fan experience when the word leaks out about this stuff beforehand. And, and I don't care what some of the justifications and some of the excuses are. I've heard it. I think that if you are a professional whose job is to cover movies and television, then part of the deal that you make in having the privilege of seeing this stuff early is that you don't spoil it. Even if someone else is talking about it, even if there's somebody else that said it that's outside of the industry, you still don't spoil it. But aside from that, the Superman cameo really didn't amount to much. It mainly was just a confirmation that Henry Cavill does have a future in the DCEU, which is something that I'm actually really excited about. A lot of people will look at the fact that I didn't love Man of Steel. The last act of the movie really killed it for me. I was not a fan of Batman v Superman. And they say like, well, why would you be rooting for Henry Cavill? You hate Henry Cavill. I don't actually. I really, really like Henry Cavill in the role of Superman, and I'm very happy that he's going to get some more opportunities to have one or two fantastic Superman movies from top to bottom. I know or I've read that there are some people who are upset because he's wearing the traditional Superman uniform, that it means that the Snyder Cut is not going to be canonized, and I hate to say it, but that's that just wasn't... That wasn't going to happen. I know I said that I'd never make proclamations like that after the Snyder Cut actually got made, but just given the direction that they seem to be going, there was never going to be this thing where the Snyder Cut all of a sudden became canon and everything else got thrown out. It's just not the direction that they're going, and, and I know that people keep talking about it, and I think we're at a point now where we got the Snyder Cut, 
I really, really liked it. A lot of people really, really enjoyed it. Let's just take that W and move forward. I know the audience that I was with was really happy to see Henry Cavill, even though you could tell that most of them knew that it was coming. I actually couldn't hear anything that Superman said because the applause was so loud and so sustained for every second that he was on screen. So I think there is a lot of audience enthusiasm for Cavill as Superman. But speaking of not being able to hear what was said, I actually had an interesting experience when I was watching this movie. Some of the dialogue I could hear just fine, but it felt like 30 to 40% of it I was really straining to hear what was being said. It was like it was mixed really low in the sound mix. Now, I assumed that it was just that the theater I went to, which was a nice theater, but sometimes things go wrong, had a speaker issue, that one of the speakers behind the screen wasn't working. However, I've seen scattered reports from other people saying that the sound mix in their theater was also really bad. I put out a Twitter poll last night and said, hey, this is my experience. Did you have trouble hearing it? About 55% of people said that it sounded fine, but about 45% of people said they also had difficulty hearing a lot of the dialogue. So I'm also gonna put that question to you. If you went to see this movie in a theater, was the audio mix good or did you also struggle at times to hear what was being said? I promise it's not just because I'm getting older and it's weird because some dialogue I could hear just fine. So I'll be interested interested to hear if anybody else had the same experience that I did. I also want to know what you thought of the movie in general. Now that I've sort of explained what I think even more, do you agree with me on the good things? Did the negative overwhelm you? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, stay tuned right here on the channel. I'll be doing more movie news, some reviews, some special Halloween stuff. Of course, the box office for Black Adam, which we're going to break down here next week and so much more. Thanks so much for watching. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye.